0: Welcome to Northgate Christian Fellowship's weekly message series. And now, here is Senior Pastor Ken Jensen. So, uh, many of you know, some of you may not know this, but I am actually deaf in one ear. I'm completely deaf in my right ear. So, um, uh, if you come talk to me and I'm not paying attention to you, I'm not being rude, I just didn't hear you, Um, and that can be really, really embarrassing, like when you're meeting new people, and uh, you don't quite catch the name, you know, you got to say it again, please, or or really, it's embarrassing in counseling situations, because usually, in a counseling situation, when you get right to the heart of it, and somebody's kind of revealing some very personal stuff, they tend to get quieter, and it's really not the time to go, huh, (laughs) you know? (laughs) doesn't instill a whole lot of confidence in your counseling ability, you know. Um, and, but sometimes it can be convenient. Like when I've not been paying attention to my wife and she's been telling me something, you know. Then I can just say, oh, I'm sorry I didn't hear you. you know. Sometimes I don't hear because I can't hear. Sometimes I don't hear because I'm just not paying attention. Um, but I find that's true in our relationship with God as well. This whole series we're talking about when God speaks and I believe God's speaking to us all the time. A lot of times we're just not paying attention. He speaks to us through life circumstances sometimes when he reminds us it's time to let go of this. Um, sometimes he speaks to us through um, our own personal quiet time with him and a passage of scripture just jumps at us like it never had before and all of a sudden it's like, wow, I needed that today. Um, sometimes it's through a sermon. Um, sometimes it's just through that, that inner Voice that little prompting that you know, I need to do something about this, I need to step out on this. Um, but I believe God is speaking all the time, all the time, and we need to learn how to better hear Him. And that's what this whole Christmas series is all about when God speaks. Because you find in the Christmas story, God speaks over and over again in a lot of different ways to Mary, it's through an angel, um, to, to uh, Joseph, it's through dreams. Um, through the shepherds, it's a, a vast angel choir. We're going to look at that one today. Through, through the, to the wise men, it's through a simple star. But God speaks in all kinds of different ways. And the whole point of this series is how can we better, better hear him, develop a listening ear? And more importantly, how do we respond when God speaks? So today we're going to be looking at the shepherd story. If you want to turn there, it's found in Luke chapter 2. Uh, Luke is one of four gospel writers, and um, he actually was not a follower of Jesus originally. He was a Gentile who came to faith later, and uh, in the beginning of his letter, this is actually a letter that he wrote to another Greek believer, uh, and he says, I've made a thorough search. I I, I asked and talked with eyewitnesses, and and so I've written this, uh, an orderly account. So in Luke chapter 2, he tells the story of Jesus' birth through the eyes of shepherds, beginning in verse 8 very familiar passage. You've heard this probably at least once a year for the whole life you've been here. So it goes like this. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. As they had been told. The shepherds are told good news. There is good news. There's that's actually what gospel literally means: the good news. That that these angels declared that there is good news today. And and today what I want to kind of talk about as we look through this is and kind of unpack it: is what's this good news? What's so good about it? And and how do we respond to it all? And I want to start with this idea. And it all has to do with when God speaks, first of all, his message is for everyone. And that's good news. The very first words of the angel were this. Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Not just for religious people. Not for smart people or pious people or holy people. Not for People magazine's 100 Most Beautiful People. But for all people. That's the good news, that this message is for everyone. It's for all people, and it's particularly significant that this message is given to shepherds, because we kind of have this idealized kind of sentimental picture of shepherds. They are these kind, uh, humble, nice guys that everybody would want to get to know, but that just was not the case in the first century, that was not the case in Jesus' time. Um, these were guys who lived in the open country. They lived away from everybody else. Um, oftentimes, it would be uh, a family, and, and, and the sons would take care of the sheep. But very often, there would be hirelings, um, guys who were just hired to watch sheep. And they lived out in the open country, which meant that they lived with the animals. And they ate with the animals. And they smelled like the animals. <laughs> they were not particularly welcome in most society, in fact, they were they were kind of at the bottom of the social scale. They were kind of looked down upon. They were not the kind of guys that you would really want to hang out with. They were considered by the rabbis to be Sabbath breakers because their job was twenty four seven. So they, they worked on Sabbath. In fact, that we have one one rabbinic midrash that said this: "There is no more desperate." disreputable occupation. Let me try that one again. There is no more disreputable occupation than that of a shepherd. That was kind of what the people around there. If Willie Nelson was alive back in those days, he would have had a song that said, Mamas, don't let your children grow up to be shepherds. (laughs) That's how they were looked down on. In fact, they were were kind of thought to be um, stealers. Because they were notorious for stealing everybody else's sheep. They let, their, they let their sheep graze on other people's land and destroy their crops. They were not particularly welcome in town. In fact, in fact, a shepherd was not... Because they were considered so disreputable that they were not allowed to give testimony in a court of law. Yeah, which meant, like, if you were accused of a crime and your only alibi was you were out playing cards with three other shepherds, you were in big trouble. <laughs> because they couldn't testify for you. That was the shepherds of Jesus day. And the shepherd story tells us that everyone matters to God. Everyone. Read recently recent survey around the United States that the San Francisco Bay Area of all metropolitan areas throughout the United States The San Francisco Bay Area is the most unchurched of any other metropolitan area in our country. More than half the people that live in the Bay Area do not attend church, are not a part of a faith community, have no interest in God or no connection with God, do not practice their faith on a regular basis. More than half. Now, that's something if it's just a statistic, but it's much more personal when it's your husband or your wife or your kids, family member or a friend, a neighbor, coworker People who are missing out on this incredible good news that's for them. And you see this, by the way, you see this all throughout the life of Jesus' ministry. He is constantly reaching out to people that nobody else would reach out to. He identified himself with people nobody else would hang out with. He called people to be his followers that no one would have anything to do with at all. Because this good news is for everyone. See, the first century Jewish people, they were looking for a Messiah that would be a Jewish Messiah. That he would come and throw off the Roman oppression. And and yet, here you find... Some 50 years later, the Apostle Paul writes a letter to a group of believers in the city of Rome. And he writes these words. I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. See, that is the message of the shepherd's story. That everyone matters to God, and that's why we, as a church, are the kind of church that we are. It's why we do things like the Dollar Club and and the Giving Tree and the Thanksgiving distributions and the and the. Uh, the uh, community events that we host because we want to change the way people view the church because many of those outside the church wouldn't want to be a part of a church they feel like they would not be welcome that they don't fit in that that they're that i'm not sure what i believe or if i believe anything and so I, they wouldn't feel like they would be comfortable here and we want to change that because this good news is for everyone and every time any time A church begins to think that the church is for us who are already here. You have missed the point of the message. Because the message is, it's for everyone. For doubters, for skeptics, for questioners, for seekers, for believers, for everyone. And that's the shepherd's story. Even the sign, even the sign that's given... The angel goes on, he says, this will be the sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths, lying in a manger. What kind of sign is that? It's a sign that this is for everyone. Because nobody's going to be threatened by a baby. Everybody's going to feel welcome there. And in a manger, the place where shepherds would feel right at home. Because nobody in that room would notice that they smelled like animals. The whole place smelled like animals. (laughs) But that's the message. That's the sign. This is for everyone. The message is for everyone. And it's a message of rescue. goes on. Verse 11. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. The Savior, the Rescuer, because we need rescuing. See, the message of Christmas is we can't save ourselves. We need someone to rescue us. Now, back when I was uh, a teenager and I was taking swim, took all those swimming lessons, all the swimming lessons courses in advance through all of those things, um, eventually you got to take life saving. And if you wanted to be a lifeguard, you had to take the life-saving class. And one of the things that they taught us in the life-saving class is as you approach somebody who's drowning, do not let them grab onto you. Because if they try to save themselves, they will take them and you down. And so as you approach somebody, if they start lunging for you, you push them away. Wait, how, what, how does that save their life? You've got to wait till they're tired of trying to rescue themselves. You've got to get to the point, they've got to get to the point where they're willing to give up. Because that's you can rescue them. See, we live in a world that needs rescue. We live in a world that is full of conflict and tension and fighting. Wars. Terrorist threats. Racial. Divide and fighting, political division and fighting. That's the world that we live in. And we all contribute our part to it all. And in fact, and in fact, there is this conflict in every one of us. That, that we, we find ourselves doing the things that we don't want to do. The things we know. There's something inside of us that says you're better than this. You ought to be better than this. Just show of hands this morning, okay? Because confession is good for the soul. All right, just by a show of hands, how many in this room would say, just in the past week, okay, not your whole life, just in the past week, that you either said, thought, or did something that you wish you hadn't? Anybody? Yeah. And if you didn't raise your hand, you're lying. (laughs) And that's a sin, by the way. (laughs) See, that's what that, that's what scripture calls that inner conflict. When we do what we know we ought not do. When we don't live up to our own expectations, that's sin. And whether it's a, whether it's a mistake or, or a failure or just outright rebellion against God, it's the same thing. It's all a part of that inner conflict. And that's what we need rescue for. Because ultimately, that conflict is a conflict with God. See, we're in conflict. With the human heart, the human spirit wants to be king. And we are convinced that our life will be happier if we just do it our own way. But every time we do things our own way in contrast to what God says it ought to be, it's like we are shaking our puny little fists at God saying, I'm going to be the king of my life. And that's conflict. But the good news is that God doesn't stand back and say, okay, be your own king. See if I care. See where that leads you. What he did was he sent a rescuer, his one and only son, who became one of us and lived that life that we couldn't live. And in that life, he showed us his love, he showed us his mercy, he showed us his grace, he showed us what it meant to live in peace. And then, after three years of ministry, arrested convicted wrongly, and put to death on a cross. And he did it willingly to pay that ultimate price so that you and I could be rescued. He's the Savior. Jesus himself put it this way. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. God didn't say, okay, have it your way. Live in your condemnation. He said, No. I'm here to rescue. And that's part of the Christmas story. You can't can't separate Christmas from Easter because it's all part of the same thing. That baby that was born grew up and became a man and paid that ultimate price so that we could be rescued. It's a message that's for everyone. It's the message of rescue because ultimately it's the message of grace. See, that's what grace is all about. That God did for us what we could not do for ourselves. And it comes to us in wave after wave after wave. The angel chorus put it this way. It says, suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel. Praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth. Peace to those on whom his favor rests. That God has bridged that divide from highest heaven to earth. And he has brought peace. That God's favor has been extended to us by his grace. And there's the end of conflict. There is peace. Shalom. Wholeness, restoration, reconciliation, the end of conflict. But, like any gift that's given, there's a second part to it it must be received. You probably by now have a Christmas tree in your living room, and under it are all kinds of gifts with name tags on them for everybody that you've bought them for, family members, friends, whatever it might be. And you got all of those gifts, and you've bought them, you bought them with intent to give to those particular people. We've even put a ribbon and a name tag on it so they know this is their gift. But if at the end of Christmas you take down the tree and the gift's still sitting there on your living room carpet, the deal hasn't been completed. Oh, you gave the gift... It just hasn't been received. Every gift by nature takes two parts to it: a giver and a receiver. I read an interesting statistic this week. Anybody get gift cards? For Christmas, anybody giving gift cards? Well, don't raise your hand if you're giving it because you're just going to give it away. But <laughs> gift cards have become really, really popular. It's a popular way of giving gifts because now the person can get whatever it is that they want. Or they can get a couple of them, put them together and, and buy them. Anybody have any unused gift cards sitting around your house? Or partially used gift cards? Yeah. I found it this interesting statistic. Do you, anybody want to guess how much in unredeemed gift cards, money-wise, how much in unredeemed gift cards has gone unclaimed or unused? Anybody want to guess? $44 billion worth of unused, unredeemed gift cards. $44 billion. Send me all your gift cards. <laughs> I will take them. $44 billion worth. And I think that there are some 44 billion people in this world that have been given a gift and it it sits unredeemed. See, this is the message of Christmas. This is the message of the shepherds. That this good news is for everyone. That we have been rescued from that inner conflict that we can live at peace with God because of his gift of grace. See, what Jesus did was he went to the cross, he paid that ultimate price, he he, he rose from the dead, and he turns around and he gives this gift of new life to anyone, anyone who will simply receive it. And it's available to everyone, and yet billions and billions of people don't know that message Haven't heard it, haven't responded to it, got confused by it, but it's really very clear. See, the shepherds had to find it out for themselves. If they they listened to the angels but did nothing about it, it would never become their own experience. So it says that when they had seen him, um, excuse me, when they they said, let's go to Bethlehem, let's see this thing that has happened which the Lord has told us about. Let's, let's, let's go. It's got to be ours. See, Everybody's got to make that decision for themselves. Everybody's got to decide to go and see for themselves. And one more thing. It needs to be shared with others. It says that when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed. And what the shepherds had said to them. Amazed. Amazing grace. What a gift. A new life. The end of that conflict. That inner turmoil and conflict. That (laughs) conflict with God. Peace. Reconciliation. It's amazing. It's amazing that Jesus chose shepherds to be the first givers and evangelists of this good news people that nobody would really pay much attention to people that would not be allowed in a court of law to give testimony yet they are the ones who are the first to give testimony to the savior because it's not about the messenger it's about the message and you have friends and you have family who need to hear this message And one of the things that we have found is this time of year, people tend to be more receptive to God than any other time of year. There's something about the Christmas season in which people tend to be a little bit more responsive. And so with six Christmas Eve services, we're giving you a chance to invite a friend, bring a family member, let them hear this incredibly good news of God's grace change their lives as it's changed yours. Would you bow your heads with me? It is so easy because we are so familiar with this story to just go through another Christmas season, exchange the gifts, get together with family, and forget that this is great news. And forget what's at stake in people's lives because of it. So today, maybe you've got a friend. Maybe you've got a family member who needs to hear this good news. There's conflict. Maybe, maybe, maybe there's conflict in your family, conflict in your relationships, your friendships. And you need to bring peace. Peace. Maybe there's some conflict going on within your own life. You're struggling with something right now. Or maybe you've experienced some brokenness. The holiday season also can be very hard for people who have lost someone or estranged from family. And maybe that's your experience. But here's the good news God is for you, He has peace, salvation, rescue can trust in His grace. And if you're here this morning and you're struggling with something relationally, financially, emotionally, or or, or there's someone that you need to bring along to hear this great news. And if I could pray for you as we close today, I would love the chance to do that. If there's any way in which you need God's grace to flow through again in your life, and I could pray for you. I'm going to ask you, just raise your hand. Hold it up for a moment. Look up. Catch my eye because I want to acknowledge you. Yeah. 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 Yep. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. you're here and for you it's a first step of faith it's it's the willingness to say God I can't fix this on my own I need your grace I'm feeling a little lost right now and and would you take that good news and apply it to my life and for you it's a very first time decision to to get in on this good news to receive that gift that we've talked about And if you've never done it before, but today, God's prompting you saying, this is for you, this is for you, and it's your chance to respond. Same thing, would you just raise your hand, hold it up for a moment, and let me catch your eye and let you know I'm praying with you and for you. So let's pray together. Wherever you're at, wherever God's grace needs to touch your life, whether it's a first-time decision or just a renewal right now, Lord, I pray for everyone who raised a hand this morning that whatever they're facing, whatever struggle, whatever turmoil, whatever conflict, wherever there needs to be peace, wherever there needs to be reconciliation, wherever there needs to be restoration and wholeness, God, would you, by your grace, bring it? For those who are saying, this is a first step of faith for me, Lord, let them know how you've entered into their life, and, and it'll change because of your grace. And for those who are just dealing with specific circumstances right now, may they sense your presence and find that, that release that comes from letting go of control and placing it in your hands. For we pray all of these things in Jesus' name, Amen.